The Incomparable Podcast, Episode 18, Christmas 2010. This is a this is a quick one. So yes, it's a, it's a quickie. It's a flash. It's a flash podcast. Yes, yes the, the most recent podcast says we'll see you next year, and then this is going to be like a surprise. Duh. Christmas podcast. Sneak yes. podcast. Right. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Featuring Jim Neighbors. God, no. <laughs> this podcast is over. But, the, but Dan, this podcast has just begun. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. And then, see, that's when you that's when you cut in that's when you cut in the uh, the, the Doctor Who theme song. It's the incomparable podcast. It's close to midnight where Dan Morin is, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, you can tell. And it's Christmas night as we record this. I'm Jason Snell, and this is the Incomparable Podcast after dark, after Christmas Day, um, and after, most importantly, after the Doctor Who Christmas special, um, the A Christmas Carol, which aired today in both England and the United States. Actually, we could be talking about this legally and not because of BitTorrent, although I realize that many of us probably saw it on BitTorrent. I can say, honestly, I'm going to make an admission here. This is the first episode of the new Doctor Who that I have seen first by a legal means. I, I, too, I, too, just watched the BBC America version of this with commercials and everything. And yeah, if you those... caught some of the commercials, wow. some of them were kind of interesting. It slices. <laughs> it slices. It makes thousands of universes at once. <laughs> yes, yeah. TARDIS infomercial. TARDIS infomercial. That's right. Um, and I miss all the fun. Commercial breaks are very strange in Doctor Who. They're they're wrong, really. Yeah, it was very strange to get every time we hit the cliffhanger, right? Yeah. But now, what will happen? And then to actually go to a commercial break, <laughs> very jarring. Yes, at least they they don't edit anything out, so it was like an hour and twenty minutes with commercials. But at least they keep it all intact, which is good. Yes. See, at one point, that was the only way you could watch television, is with commercials. Mm. What? Also, really? phones had rotary dials. That's madness. So and they had to plug in all the time. kids that these days, and they don't believe let, you. Let me introduce my cast of characters, by the way, because I'm drinking beer, and, and I realize that I've missed several important portions of the format. <laughs> um, after dark. Joining us via Skype from his iPhone from somewhere in, what, upstate New York, uh, where, he's cel- where he's celebrated the holiday with his family, Dan Morin. Hi, Jason. Uh, hi there. I'll make you say um, other things later using editing. Huh? Uh, joining me from, I think, Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles, where she has celebrated the holiday with her family, Ren Caldwell. Hi. Hello, hello. Good to have you here. From Philadelphia, where he celebrated his holiday alone, it's Scott McNulty. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Excuse me while I continue to weep. Oh, through a confluence of – it's sort of like a sitcom, really. <laughs> the Scots are like, but wait, that means I'll be alone for the – oh, no. It was, it was her. And no, my mother know. telling me that said – she called me and the first thing – I said, hello, mom. And she said – the thing she said was, Christmas is canceled, which 
was in the Doctor <laughs> Who Christmas special. Oh, oh, very good. Wow, and Glenn Fleischman from Seattle. Who, who, who? Did you celebrate this holiday at all, or did you just get Chinese food? I, I celebrated it in uh, in every possible way, except involving a certain individual born two thousand and ten years ago. Santa oh. Claus. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's he's about he's my, a party crasher. That's pretty much my Christmas yes. too. And I, Jeff, also known as Jeff, I, I, and, and I should say that I'm, I'm speaking to you from the uh, sovereign state of, uh, of Arizona, where I spent the, uh, the papers, holiday please. With, my, with my family. Papers, please. Papers, please. It, it, it's amusing scheduling this podcast. I kept trying to explain it in terms of Pacific time. I'm actually on mountain time, so I kept having to you know, pretend to be in a time zone I'm not actually in, because Arizona refuses to do daylight savings, and it's a whole oh, crazy right, thing. Right. You know? So anyway, Doctor Who. Doctor um, Who, yeah, Doctor yeah. Whom. Um, this this is the what the fifth Christmas special they've done. Yeah. Well, it's one Christmas Eccleston, yeah. three. It's the sixth. Well, Christopher Eccleston never had one. Series. He was, so. Christopher Eccleston didn't have one because he had right. already regenerated. Right. Oh, that's right. But it's Eccleston hates Christmas. Right. Christmas invasion. Two thousand five. David Tennant began. So Christmas right. invasion. They played them all the next, today. The next Doctor. Also, the, the Doctor uh, Who, uh, the Doctor Who proms, if anybody saw any of them, were actually pretty awesome. Yeah, they were. Voyage of, Voyage of the Damned. Yeah, that's right. The Runaway Bride. That's right. That's that's and the, four. the End of Time Part One. Oh, you're right. You know, I forgot about that's, this. This is the I always sixth. forget that's a Christmas special. Wait, is this the sixth then? Yes, this is the sixth. It's the sixth. Oh, of course, it's, that's what it, Wikipedia says. Well, it's because we had the weird year where it was actually the end of the All season. Special. Yes. Right? Uh, it was a leap year. It's a lovely um, tradition, though. I think it's really. I, it, it's not Christmas without Doctor Who now for me. That's I right. feel like Doctor yeah, Who yeah, is the reason for the season. I I spend uh, I spend Christmas with my my cousins and their two daughters, and they are all. We finished, you know, escorted the rest of the family out and looked at each other and said, "Doctor Who, Doctor Who." Immediately adjourned <laughs> to the living room, fired up the DVR. That's a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. It's funny how Christmas is. And after reading Russell Davies' book, A Writer's Tale, it's clear that they're like – they're sort of freak out. At the same time, they want to do some really dark things such as – has a spoiler horn gone off? This is all spoiler horn, right? All right. Yes, yes. Let's <laughs> officially fire off the Christmas spoiler horn now. And the jingle clarion, bells, jingle the clarion bells. Bell. And so you know, this episode, well, 4,003 people are going to be killed. So – you know, you start off with that. And so they clearly every year they worry about like, we want to do something that's scary, but a little pantomime. And that's really interesting and different that we can do in this slightly, like, slightly longer, slightly different format. Not always longer, but now it's longer. It used to be just a regular episode length. So uh, it's kind of fascinating to see how they toe that line. Like all families will be watching this in England and in some other countries. You can't just have the really super dark, freaky Doctor right, Who on Christmas right. Day. Right, Although it's funny, the, the Christmas format, I mean, it's always – Russell Davis set this up and, and he said, I want, to, I want to be broad on Christmas Day. I want to be the whole family settling in. They've had some drinks. They've had some food. Now they're settling in to watch. Um, what I thought was interesting is that Stephen Moffat, this is his first Christmas uh, special, and I thought it was much more Christmassy having looked back in some of the other oh, uh, yeah. Christmas specials. Very much Christmassy. So. The Absolutely. other ones it was really like an excuse. It's like, Donna, um, yeah, she's getting married on Christmas Eve. Sure. What? Right. That's Christmas-ish. Who doesn't? Yeah, why not? And and in the end of time, yeah, it's it happens to be Christmas. Sure, why not? You know, and, and so it didn't really have anything. Even the Christmas invasion. I mean, it had the robot Santas at the beginning, and that's right. But and then no, it was like, right. let's dispense with the Christmas now until the right. very end. So well, the this Voyage one was of the Damned. So the Voyage Christmas. of the Damned had a bit of Christmas. 
Yeah, a little, little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Alien Space Christmas. Which I have is one of my this favorite was. Doctor Who uh, soliloquy or monologues, too. He's got a whole bit about how he's 900 years old and blah, blah. I don't know. It's a really good monologue. Yeah, I'm a Time Lord from Gallifrey and the Constellation yes. of Cerberus. I'm 902 years old and I'm the one who's going to save us all. <gasps> you got a problem with that? <laughs> no. Classic. Classic Doctor. Just watch that. This I'm 902 years old and I can kick and I can split and I can kick. <laughs> 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 uh, so, so very Christmassy this one, and obviously it's got uh, that a bit of Dickens in it. But there's just so much, you know, so much uh, Christmassy stuff. There's a sleigh that's being pulled by a shark that flies, <laughs> which they I love. Jumped. That's how I celebrate my Christmas usually. I, you guys I, did right? they did flying they, sharks? Did they literally jump over the shark in this episode? Uh, Was this supposed to be a joke in there? You know, I, I, I wondered if the they shark. were kind of sticking it to people accusing them of junking the shark or something. I thought, but it did seem very pointed in some ways. I thought it would be ridiculous when I heard. I admit I actually heard that there was going to be a flying shark, and I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard. And yet I thought the little fish around the light pole on the on the outside were – it was kind of fun and beautiful. My kids thought it was really cool. And then the shark appears and it's kind of frightening and, and The funny. shark was legitimately scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I give, I give all credit to, to Stephen Moffat who once again delivered I think a fantastic episode, especially in terms of his dialogue writing, which is well, it- fantastic. I mean – you know, clearly he's been waiting for a chance in some ways to cut loose with his own, you know, doctor. And I think he feels Matt Smith's, you know, the 11th doctor is very, very hyperactive and very kinetic in a lot of his roles. And I think, you know, Moffat's writing style suits him perfectly. I mean, I, if I had to point to my favorite line from this episode, I think it would be the breaking of the psychic paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a mature, responsible a adult. Oh, I finally broke it. It's a lie too big. <laughs> You know the thing that was great too is I have to say is I'm kind of with with um, Rory and uh, Amelia being really relegated in this episode. It made me sort of happy. I was like Matt Smith is there toe to toe with Michael Gambon and some marvelous child and te- young adult actors playing Gambon at different ages. Who were I thought they were all terrific. I thought all the different people playing that role were were marvelous. But Gambon particularly, it's just I just love him to pieces. And the screen was bigger with the two of them on it. And then they cut to Rory and Amelia, and I was like, I uh, wouldn't be so sorry if they got sucked through a wormhole someplace else this <laughs> oh, season. Don't say, don't say that about Amy Pond. Come on. I uh, you know she's she, I'm not that I don't think the actress has really proved herself. She doesn't scream as much, you know. And it's like I just don't I don't feel she has the moxie. I don't know. I I, think, I I like I like her, and I like those scenes. I mean, it's hard to compete with Michael Gambon, right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you can't. Although it, I thought it was funny that we have this instance where, while Amy and uh, Rory are about to plunge to their death, we have this whole series of events that, from the doctor's perspective, takes quite a bit of time, and it's really like he's got two new companions. <laughs> Yeah, and, and they're the Christmas Apparently, companions, yeah. and they do have all these adventures. And the Doctor marries Marilyn Monroe, and pals around with uh, Albert Einstein and Frank Sinatra, and all these things happen. Um, and, and and so that's sort of your companion set for the episode. And then meanwhile, I think actually kind of hilariously, Amy and Rory are stuck in a Star Trek episode. Oh God! Yeah, when they and came on the bridge, and the uniforms oh, were like dressed. That was in their, so dressed in there. Yeah, their and, outfits. And they have the lens flares from the new Star Trek movie too. Mm-hmm. Oh. Just hilarious. The bright white duck. As they're wearing their costumes, because they were obviously having some fun in the honeymoon suite. <laughs> when I saw the preview for this episode, I was kind of skeptical. I was like, "Wait, are they doing another time reset where everybody's moved? Oh. like because that's the outfit she's in in the very first episode?" So Ooh. you yeah, think? Yeah, but that's the outfit he's in at the very last episode. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're like, what's going on? 
But also, I, they I were on a, a, also another crashing spaceship for Christmas. Yes. For the second well, time. We can't get enough of the crashing spaceships. Oh, that was like Star Trek, the, uh, you know, Star Trek, was it five with uh, William Shatner and. Uh, don't, don't mention Star Trek five. <laughs> wasn't that the one said about Star Trek five? The last yeah, that's wrong, pod, oh, wrong podcast. Wrong hey. podcast. Would you please just edit that out? Thank you. What, what does a Time Lord need with a spaceship? <laughs> uh, oh, shockery. Scott, are you a regular Doctor Who watcher? I am, in fact, a regular Doctor Who watcher. I must say that his continuing flaunt, flaunting of the temporal prime directive uh, is, is really well, actually, distressing. Very distressing to you, Scott. It is very distressing. The, the one thing, I mean, this is, it's funny because, you know, obviously in past Doctor Who's, there's been this talk about how time can't be changed. And yet in the Moffat era, clearly time can be changed. Time, you know, can be rewritten as the line keeps going. Uh, you know, and I remember. I also remember that you used to not be able to touch yourself from a different point in the timeline, and yet you, know, you explode. Yeah, but you've got the Blinovich levitation effect or something, and and yet you've got that where oh right in like, season one the episode where Rose goes back to see her father, and when she touches herself as a child, that's when the giant um, you know time eaters yeah. come out and, and Doctor Who's mm, shoot up. And yet in the in uh, the Big Bang episode, the Doctor touches you know his future version of himself, and in this episode, Michael Gambon touches the child version of himself, and it, it's not a big deal because we're just rewriting history. Um, you know, I, I actually I think, don't mind, but I think it's kind of funny. That it's like whatever. Let's just change the past we don't care well i i think i think that's kind of struck home to me the same thing that you get from the last episode of this season of doctor who which is that you know with moffat taking over it's become less science fiction and more fairy tale right mm. you know a lot of this serves to function as a yeah we don't really need to worry about the logic what was she dying from why did she only get seven days she why couldn't they just healthy. figure out a way to fix that it's you know like, there, why is it a six why is it a six-digit number? Why is it a six-digit number on the front of the... <laughs> but I, mean, I, 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 I question the economics. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> the six-digit number, it says years and days underneath, if you look at it very closely. Oh, oh, so, uh, points. Do we wear points this podcast? Because Jason, I, that gets points. No. I don't understand how it works, though, because so you take a loan out from this guy, right? And then so you say, okay, well, here's my sister, so you can hold her as collateral. And you can freeze her. But then when you unfreeze her, she's going to die in seven days. So if I pay well, back no, my no, loan, no, no. she's going to she die. Sick I don't already. understand. But that's, that, in, that in the same sense is kind of like, yeah, we'll give you this one. She's sick already. Yeah, that, that's on what you. it was. Yeah, that's the idea there is that they, they said we're going to get the damaged goods as collateral because she's going to die anyway. And she's prob- presumably volunteered because she knows she's going to die anyway. But then why would all of the, the time freezy pod things have countdowns on them? It doesn't make any sense to me. Right. It doesn't make any sense. All right. I don't say consistently defines areas of fairy tale, Scott. It's the same. It's the same. Having just watched the Christmas Invasion again, it's the same reason why there's a button on the outside of the spaceship of the (laughs) aliens of the Christmas Invasion that can be hit by an orange, (laughs) and it collapses a tiny part of the outside of the spaceship so that the guy falls off. So that just that just makes sense. Pure awesomeness. And I also don't. Days and months. Why are the people on this planet frightened of little fish that can? Swim through fog. Why aren't they? And catching have these they fish never seen? Them? Have they never seen a bow tie before? Well, apparently that not. whole sequence when he's growing up and he's slowly adopting the doctor's fashion statements is the most adorable thing. Just complete side note. And he had an incredible growth spurt. 
By the way. Yes. yes. I think we skipped nonsense. over a couple of years. They skipped years. Uh, I don't know. You know, what's, what's I think it was beautiful, though, this is, I'll, I'll go back to the meta on this, or the big picture was, I um, I found myself crying a number of times in this thing, which I do, at the Christmas specials especially are tear jerkers, but they're just, I mean, Gambon, he presented himself very effectively as somebody who just did not, I mean, he really, that point where he says, I just don't care. I'm not like you. And, you know, and he sells it. Like, he's, all these people are going to die, and it is completely abstract to him. He doesn't care. I'm going to die lonely, cold, and alone. Yeah, what else? We all do that. You know, what, what else do you have in your cabinet of horrors? And instead, what Doctor Who brings him is this sort of recognition of himself. He's embracing himself. He gets to pull back from the abyss. He gets to embrace this better self. It's very lovely. Isn't that a damning line where he says, you know, where he asks, oh, you're going to show me the future now? <laughs> and he says, yeah. I, I just did. <laughs> uh, that was definitely that, an audible gasp. You're like, oh. yeah. But I mean, that whole though. thing, I thought, I thought that whole. I agree. I liked. I thought Gambon's performance was pretty awesome. Um, I really liked as that twist became imp- apparent what he was doing. Go, the, the doctor was going back and basically rewriting his past because you know you start out and it's very clearly like this is you know we know it's called a Christmas Carol it's a Christmas Carol call out right you know it starts with him being all grumpy and scrooge like and denying the the poor family the chance to see their you know relative on Christmas Eve and you think oh it's going to be predictable he's going to turn them around he's going to be happy but the way in which they did it was different enough and novel enough to keep me guessing right because oh, you know I love that the- moment when you realize he's going back in time and changing everything is kind of, and I, I love that it's a great humorous moment too where he shows up on the video recording oh that's <laughs> Just classic. And bittersweet because he falls in love with a woman who he knows is going to die the next time he sees her. No, there's mm-hmm. definitely some edginess to it that is the things that, you know, keep the parents entertained even though while the kids are waiting for the shark to come back. And I I will say this too, this is the first time that I've watched an episode of Doctor Who that I'd never seen before with my kids. And and we oh. both of my kids watched it with us and my son was, you know, tuning in and out, although he was fascinated by the shark and my doctor my daughter was watching pretty much the whole thing and was uh I think I think pretty into it. So it was uh it was kind of a cool family thing to be able to watch it on uh you know, at seven o'clock on uh, on Christmas night. Well, Ren was avoiding the Ewoks, so she had a great reason to watch that this evening. Yes, the, the, Ewoks. the never-ending under- loop of Ewoks. She Ewoks was under siege. Jim <laughs> under yeah. siege in Pasadena. There helicopters overhead. Ewoks and Jim Carrey. Is that where Ewoks retire to? Pasadena? Apparently. <laughs> and Jim Carrey. <laughs> well, who knew? Terrible time. So I mean, uh, definitely, uh, everybody seems to be pretty positive about this episode. I I definitely thought it was great. One of the oh, best I, I, solid ones. Other than my misgivings about the economic underpinnings of this world. <laughs> no, no, you forget they were tying into the something something that made it efficient to cool them to freeze them down there. Remember the fog, the, swamp, uh, the fog, the fog lake. lake, of course, fog lake. So it was that, yeah. that yeah. takes did, away did you fog the lake pressure the economics <laughs> there, Scott. Yeah, he I forgot controls the, the fog lake, controls <laughs> the planet. <laughs> No, he really, controls the clouds, apparently controls the planet. Yes. yes. Well, I'm really need... curious, on a side note, why everybody was wearing goggles, other than it's just, oh, let's make it somewhat steampunk. <laughs> it's, 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 it's foggy. foggy. And Dr. Who, and Dr. Seuss hats. Fog? And Dr. Yes, Seuss yeah. hats. They had those hats that were like seven yes. feet tall. The great. fish will attack your eyes. They go for the eyes like, first. That was my first thought, right? <laughs> I, you know... So, and I have to ask, are there Zeppelins? And the answer is no, but there are Zeppelin-like flying sharks. Yeah, yeah, Perhaps there are whales. And, and Zeppelin-like flight in spaceships, too. Falling whales. Why not? You know, I did like the the uh, the kind of Peter Pan 
uh, beeping sonic screwdriver in the shark, though. Oh, 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 yeah. oh I, yeah, gonna right. fix I was reminded. I was something. very worried. Did he get it out? It no, no, he it, said he was going to just replace it anyway. Right, so make he gave one. it to Michael Gambon, right? But what's, Michael Gambon what's, has half of it, and the shark has the other half. What's wonderful is I didn't catch the crocodile reference. You're totally right. You're, you mm-hmm. are right. I just That's saw. Excellent. I just saw Peter Pan 360 um, a few days ago, and uh, my son was enthralled by the ticky-tocky crocodile. And you're absolutely right. That is that is the reference there. So there, this is loaded with references. This points to Scott. This if we, is, if points out, which if, we don't. Which we don't. That's a dumb oh, podcast. Damn it! Damn it! Scott would win every time if we gave out points. That's true. Oh. true. Now this is really the best Christmas ever. Oh, we see, and that's part of redemption. Is part of this podcast now. It encompassed the theme. Well, personally, I was excited to see also the promos for the next season. Oh, yes, yes. You know, I haven't had a chance to watch them back as a pruder like. Although I will. There's a scene with <laughs> Matt Smith has a beard and longer hair. Yeah, and he's being yeah, held like, as a prisoner. And he's chained oh, up. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and of course, they're filming. They're filming in the in the U.S. for the first time next season. So, oh, yeah, be a cowboy. Western. Yeah, yeah. I will. Stetson in, now. Stetsons are cool. Yeah, <laughs> in, in Utah, they they shot, and a lot of the promos for BBC America are actually were shot while they were out there. Does anyone know how many episodes they are shooting in Utah? Because it seemed like a long way to go, and they're really two, pumping it up. It's a two part episode. They shot in Utah for like three days, I think, and they shot in in the Valley of the Gods for a day, and then they shot at Lake Powell, where I've actually been oh. been around Page, Arizona, uh, just north of there, across the Utah border. And that's where a lot of those promos were, where he's sort of got a lake in the background. And that's all for the season opening two-parter where they're – again, spoiler horn, sorry, but there's a – it's a USA. This has all sort of been released as promotional material. It's set at least in part in the US and that's why they shot a bunch of stuff out in, in Utah because you can't really replicate that scenery. And I think BBC America actually funded some of that. BBC America is really – um, has really gotten behind Doctor Who with this. I've noticed um, uh, TV critics got screener editions of this episode in the oh. U.S. and wrote about mm-hmm. it. The San Francisco Chronicle had a piece on it um, two days ago uh, with, well, a rev- push, with a review. If you're going to broadcast in the U.S., obviously, good yeah. push. And the mm-hmm. CNN story about it said that they're committed to airing the show on the day, same day with the U.K. with the new season. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Well, I mean, they'll cut down on, I mean, I, you know, Arguably, will cut down on the piracy from some people. Oh well, I think it will, um, which is pretty big. But I also, I'm, I find it amusing that, and this is sort of slightly tangential, but also tan- Torchwood is going to the U.S. next season, though not in, oh. not in the BBC America vein. I think because they made a deal with Stars. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's will not, they not visiting again. Probably not. Torchwood but. is not visiting. Torchwood is is being shot in the in the U.S. He's living in the United States yeah. apparently for up to nine years. If yeah. Everybody yeah. has their way. Yeah, who knows about great. that? It's an anchor show. BBC wants <laughs> it'll, it'll to come to American in, It'll fit in just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, this is true. So, well, so When they showed – well, Alex Kingston in the previews, I, I love her as an actress. I guess this is part of my problem with Karen Gilliam is she is a young and callow woman versus the mature, strong, confident – Knowledgeable Alex Kingston. Glenn, as a, as a young and callow man, I'm going to take offense. <laughs> there's, there's room for both, Glenn. And I actually kind of like it when they're playing off of each other. You have both of them in a room together, and it's all of a sudden a very, very interesting episode. I think they have very good – I think uh, all three of them, especially when they have very good chemistry. Rory is – I am less attached to, but I think Amy and the Doctor certainly have very good repartee. Well, well, you remember the line, Elizabeth Sladen's great line as uh, as uh, Mary Jane, uh, not Mary Jane, uh, Sarah uh, Jane. 
Sarah Jane in the episode with the um, uh, schoolroom, you know, the one I'm talking about. What is it called? Yeah, with school with reunion. Tony Head. School reunion. Thank you. And she says, you know, they, you know, you keep getting younger and they keep getting younger, something like that, you know, to the doctor about his companions after seeing Billy. And it's like, yeah, they sort of do. Although I guess Karen Gilliam is technically probably older than Billy was well, at the time. That she I mean, was at there. least there's River Song, right? I mean, that, that's the I, interesting <clears> thing about throwing her in the mix. Although I, having seen The Big Bang, um, most of it before they, they aired that right before this episode on BBC America, um, I, I was struck by the rep, the rapport between Karen Gillan um, oh well, the scene where they take his fez, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, there's that scene, and then at the end, when um, when well, yeah, that's right. The beginning of that scene, she says, "Amy and the centurion," and they're like, "Yeah, he's with us. It's okay." But it's yeah, that that whole scene is really nice. With and then they shoot out the fez because it's got to be stopped. <laughs> I do a podcast now. It's cool. Podcasts are cool. <laughs> podcasts are cool. <laughs> I love the explanation for the bow tie, also. I can't remember the exact, but when they're yeah, in the closet nobody, and he's like, I wear it and nobody care. And I wear it and I don't care what people think or something like that. That's and that's why it's cool. cool. That is the best, <laughs> the best. That, well, I mean, that's the definition, that's the definition of cool, mm-hmm. right? You know, not caring, doing your own thing. Then we're all really cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, got a cricket sound here somewhere. Cricket. I have a cricket here, I think, in Arizona. His name's Jiminy. Mm. Uh-huh. That's another podcast. Here. So, so um, did you guys have any other uh, sort of uh, uh, geeky uh, Christmas things today that you would like to admit to, in addition to wa- planning your entire day around watching <laughs> Doctor Who? De- or, and in entire- some cases, and talking about it. And watching and then talking well, about Doctor Who. Besides the preponderance of electronic gadgets in our family's house, I think we had at least four iPads and half a dozen iPhones. Um, at least my host, the, my, my generous cousins who are hosts, we all were wearing geeky T-shirts for the day. So my cousin was wearing a uh, T-shirt from Think Geek with a guy with an astronaut dragging his little toy spaceship away because he's a science geek and he's sad about the shuttle program being discontinued. My... Uh, one of my cousins, uh, the daughters, was wearing a exterminate Dalek shirt that I gave her for <laughs> Christmas, which was appropriate. And then the other, her sister, was wearing a Sunnyvale High School oh. t-shirt. Sunnydale. Sorry, know? Sunnydale High School. Nice. Um, which has fangs and fire coming out of it. Yeah, because Sunnyvale High School is just a That's just school. an actual high school. That's, That's much, more, much more boring. And I'm wearing a It's a Trap shirt. So is, we, that uh, from, is that from a movie? It's a trap. Yeah, never. No movie that anybody's ever heard of. It's got Ewoks in it, I think. Actually, <laughs> so plenty of geeks in this household for Christmas. All right. I was sadly the lone geek this year because my parent, my mother, who is my geek repartee, she was off in the kitchen doing work, and my sister and my father are very unattuned. So I was kind of sitting in the living room and watching Star Wars and then waiting for Doctor Who to download. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a very, very sad Christmas for the geek household here, but that's all right. Scott, how yeah. did you spend your, uh, spend your, your day? I was it's also, alone, right? So that's, I was, I was, I was alone geek because I was all alone, but I did spend a good portion of my time. I gave my mother a Kindle for Christmas. So I, I, she apparently does not know how to use Amazon.com. You so. have every e-reader every – now you have to start spreading them. What I was going to ask, Scott, is did you get her a new one or did you get her one from the collection? The collection is a historic monument and cannot be tampered with. 
Uh, Each of the hundreds of Kindles has its own name and personality, it, it and they have true. a tag the day they were born. And strangely, you have to only keep the tag attached. Actually, the way Scott works with e-readers is he buys them and only loans one book on them. That's true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a one-to-one ratio. Yeah. It's an e-book reader, not an e-books reader. Exactly. So I, I helped my mother set up her Kindle. That's nice. Which was was a little trying, but far away from her, though. because she she thought that the way it worked was that you went to the you went to Amazon dot com and looked at the book that you wanted on Amazon and it would magically appear on your Kindle without you doing anything. <laughs> so I had to explain to her it was a little you had to do a little more than that just looking that's, at it. That's it's actually confusing. It that's how Google eBooks work. So it actually is going to confuse people. It, you can work that way, I should say. You just look at it, and it, it magically appears. Materialized. What if you if you just look at a book on your shelf? Does it appear on your Kindle? Does See, that work, Scott? The confusion that would be amazing. There, the confusion is that um, she's thinking not about. I, you probably got her the Kindle with Wi-Fi, and she's thinking of the Kindle with Wi-Fi plus telepathy. Oh, um, I did, I, I'm cheap, so I didn't spring for that one. Yeah, it's very. It only expensive. costs seven thousand dollars. It's yeah. cool. It'll be an old model next year anyway. Oh yeah. You have to hammer the antenna into the head, though. That's the painful part. What Psychic e-paper. Huh? Oh. Uh, see what I did there? Little Doctor Who. <laughs> what about you, Glenn? Well, I spent this Christmas, as I do every Christmas, watching the Tron 1982 Christmas special, of course, over and over again. <laughs> Touche. Wow. I, haven't, I actually haven't watched that yet, although I've been told by uh, Steve Lutz, our very own Steve Lutz, that the, the really right thing to do is to watch the uh, Star Wars holiday special with the Rift Tracks. <laughs> Uh, track on top of it. I've been told that too. Yes. No, I was in a house full of uh, non-geeks, so I was forced to suppress. I, you know, I had to sneak out the iPad while the children were occupied to watch Doctor Who. Oh, you gotta, you've got to indoctrinate your kids into Doctor Who. My, my uh, son, he, uh, whenever he was passing by, he'll be like, oh, the blue box, the blue box. <laughs> my, my older son, Ben, is a lovely, lovely fellow and is currently obsessed by geography um, at the age of six, he can tell you where, like, adjoining states on a map and things like that. But he is a very sensitive lad, and um, he, we tried to show him a year ago Winnie the Pooh, and the part with the bees made him cry. So I think Doctor Who is a little further in his future, like huh. 20 to 30 years. Right, Glenn, he's really going to thank you for this podcast at some point where you reveal that. That's <laughs> so true. Note, note to the future. Glenn, <laughs> Doctor Who makes you cry, Glenn, so... <gasps> oh. Excuse me a moment. <laughs> it runs in the family. You're a weepy family, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we, cry. we cry. Now you've seen the ghost of Christmas future. Our <laughs> spirit, spirit, can this not be changed? Yeah, I I showed my kids a Doctor Who episode of uh, like a year ago, and um, that night my son came out and said the I can't even remember which monster it was, but he was, it was like that monster's not going to come, is it? I was like, no, 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 son, it's not going to come. And my wife glared at me. He's like, what? See, see, this is what happens when you show kids scary things. I'm like, yeah, they're supposed to be scared. They like it. You can't be a kid and not be afraid of something. Come on. Let's go back to bed, Julian. Let's go back to bed, Julian. I'm going to turn to my Murray Gold collection at Pulva. The the countertenor is going to sing now. No, the face spiders, by the way, were hilarious. Yes. It's like, oh, no, are are there face spiders in this closet? No, no, no. They've gone to your bed. They're in the mattress now. (laughs) You need to have fears in order to overcome them. So apparently this episode is, is um, another example, of, uh, I think the third example of Stephen Moffat rifling through a story that he wrote when Doctor Who was off the air 
a short story, a prose story about um, a, a Doctor Who story, though. Um, previously, he he used a story as the basis for Blink, um, where he wrote a story about Sally Sparrow, who was a younger girl then, but she was getting messages in her wallpaper from the Doctor from the past, uh, telling her what to do in the future so that he could get his TARDIS back. And then um, this other story he wrote called Continuity Errors, apparently he's rifled through twice now because it was about a library with uh, all the books in the world and all of that, and we know what happened there. But the other point was that there was this librarian who was very angry and wouldn't give him this book that he needed to save a lot of people, and he kept going back and changing things in her past in order to get her to be more likely to let him have the book. And oh. uh, so that that is apparently the basis for this episode. Well, I mean, well well done because I thought it was a really uh, funny and interesting way to approach a, a, a Christmas Carol kind of thing. But it is interesting that he is shameless in taking his old ideas um, from these things that you know don't really don't really count. Nobody really read, just the hardcore fans, and saying that's a good idea. I'm going to use that idea. I got it. It's um, it what's Wrink- Wrinkle in Time, the third, the second sequel to Wrinkle in Time. What is that called? Swifty, swiftly, swiftly tilting, tilting planet. planet. Yes. Do you remember that? He goes, Charles, uh, uh, Charles, what's his face? Goes back in time and changes things in prehistory in order to change the behavior of a dictator in the current day who's going to blow up the world, a madman. Huh? No, I don't remember. I have no I have memory of that book. Is that, that's, is that, no, that's not Many Waters. Many Waters is the one after that because that's also yeah. prehistory. Right. So there's, yeah, there's the, the second Wrinkle in Time. The one after Wrinkle in Time is, uh, What's the one with the midi Claridians? I'm sorry. The <laughs> mitochondria. I beg your pardon. That's very similar. Yes. Wow. It, yes. Does every one of our podcasts have to have Star Wars in it? Yep. Yes. We're contractually obligated. This, this, this was the episode with Star Trek in it. This was this Doctor podcast. Who's yes. – you talk about the writer's tale. You know, Russell Davis really wanted to do – first, he wanted to do a crossover with Enterprise, which is Oh, that was baffling. the craziest mm-hmm. idea. You and could then, tell how completely insane with deadlines he was because he'd, he'd pl- kind of plotted the whole thing out before – and then also the Harry Potter crossover. He wanted right. J.K. Rowling to appear as herself and the Doctor to be involved. And it was like – they're like, can she act? It's like, well, I don't know. She's a writer. She'd probably do fine. It's like, Russell – Get some sleep, please. Yes, yes. And well, you know, it's funny. I can kind of see what he's going for with that. Like, you know, especially in terms of trying to popularize the series, which is well, so, you sure. know, British centric. Mm-hmm. But also the idea that, like, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of the Stephen King Dark Tower idea. Like, all the stories are connected in some way, right? Mm. So, so he also then talked about doing a, uh, which I think ended up being Planet of the Dead, one of the specials. He wanted to do a Star Trek episode, basically, where there would be a spaceship right. that would be very Star Trek-like. And, uh, and he never got around to it, but it's kind of funny that here's Stephen Moffat, who is, I, I believe, an avowed Star Trek fan. And he doesn't talk about that a lot because he's the Doctor Who showrunner, but I believe he was a, a huge Star Trek fan, and he's stuck in... All these very funny references. It's a galaxy class ship that's going to crash, oh. and it's got the Star Trek J.J. <laughs> Abrams lens flares on the bridge, and it's got the the, the guy with the funny eyepiece who's the navigator, who's the your Geordie LaForge kind of yes. guy. Yes, <laughs> just you know, I, and it isn't really important. It's just funny. It's, it's a nice dress. flavor. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I'm I'm reading the comic book um just since this is the incomparable I can do this. The comic book um Invincible, which is a a pretty good superhero comic book by Robert Kirkman, the guy who does The Walking Dead, and they've got this recurring set of characters in a very serious storyline where people are getting kind of torn to bits and killed and uh, horribly wounded, and it's the spaceship that is just a joke 
of the Enterprise from Star Trek The Next Generation. And there's a bald <laughs> captain and a, a, a robot crewman. And they're all just kind of slightly off kilter from Star Trek. But it's very obvious that that's the reference. And I don't know. I, I, I'm amused by that, that that is still a, a reference that can be made um, all this time later. That it's really got you know enough that they're like, yeah, let's make that reference. Everybody knows Star Trek. We can do that. And Star Trek is far superior to, to Star Wars. Thank so you. it makes sense. Oh, that's... Fighting words. Quick, should I thought we were supposed to be have a quick podcast. <laughs> should we make predictions for next Christmas's episode? <clears throat> next Christmas's episode. Oh gosh. Good Lord. What would you guess? Yes. Glenn, what would you like to see in a <laughs> I Christmas would like to episode? See Ian McCallan as the guest star. That's what I would like to see. Wouldn't that just up. Who, up? I don't care what he does. Probably he's Shakespeare or Shakespeare's great grandchild. I don't care what it is, but Ian McCallan. I, or I maybe he for- control magnetic substances with his mind. That would also be okay. Clearly, Patrick Stewart should Patrick be. Patrick Stewart, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have yeah. Ian McKellen. You have to have Patrick Stewart. Oh, they're Balance together. Issues. Oh, they yeah. twins. Is that just oh, remaking the X-Men movies now? That's true. By the way, did you notice the BBC previews for next year? Christopher Eccleston has his own series. David Tennant has his own series. Very gritty-looking, difficult things in which they're threatening people or being threatened in the previews. So we'll, we'll certainly – maybe they could have a Three Doctors show uh, – we, you know, with all the very gritty characters against Matt Smith at the end of the year. I would like to see the debut first uh, Doctor Who Hanukkah episode. <laughs> <laughs> Eight crazy nights. No way they use that title for something. That would be uh, that would be interesting, actually. I, I think well, that would you be did a mini series. You did a mini series, kind of like Children of Earth for Torchwood, except you did it for Doctor Who, and you did it one night of. Monica, oh, five-minute episodes. Ooh, <laughs> you should be, you should be yeah. a network executive. And none of the none of the eight episodes would be quite as good as. If you said- <laughs> Scott's hit on the title. It would be called Doctor Who and the Dreidel of Doom. Oh, oh. that's, that's, that's the title star. of the episode. Yeah, the Death Star would be a big spinning dreidel in space. Full of Daleks, Jewish Daleks. No, actually, dreidel, the dreidel, no, dreidel, 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 you made it out of play. <laughs> I will destroy No, no, please, please leave the Chinese restaurant now. <laughs> I'm just picturing Daleks with um, yarmulkes on their heads oh. and crying. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that's so wrong. That's so wrong. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hanukkah ha- Hanukkah falls over Christmas next year, Dan. I should know that. Which causes a schism in the space-time continuum, and that is the point. And um, there, there you have your Doctor Who special right there. Right. Wow. This is interesting. Also, I, I this is the first Doctor Who in, I think, since the first uh, Doctor Who Christmas special that has had regular companions in it. Oh, yes. that is an excellent point. That's true. Which yeah, is, because I wasn't a companion at that point. Well, the Russell Davis series, they tended, other than the two years with Rose, they tended to cycle through new companions every season. And, you know, uh, the, the companions from last season are coming back for next season. So it's a little stability, at least. I mean, until presumably they'll completely wreck it by the time the season is over. But uh, right now they, they got them intact. And it was kind of nice to see them, even though I, I – to Glenn's point, it w- I kind of appreciated that they were on the side and it wasn't really about them. They were just sort of present, but not well, important. They, they were the people, they were important. And 900 years, have you ever met anyone who wasn't important? Uh, that's true. Oh. I mean, they were important. You, got, you showed me. 
The doctor yeah. was helpful, otherwise the doctor doesn't get involved, right? You know, he he only comes to save them, really. Well, I guess. I actually was a little disappointed when um he said I you know, I can't lock on. There was a quick throwaway line, I can't lock on to the ship because what I wanted him to say was I couldn't get all of them off in time. Oh that's what I wanted him to say because he you know, I would like to him to say, Yes, well of course I could save those two. I could just move my TARDIS up there and get them, but there are four thousand mm-hmm. people on that ship and I can't get them all off. And I'm here to save all of them, not not two of them. And uh they he didn't do that he just said i can't lock on there's nothing to well, be done jason jason that's what he meant oh sure, sure. in my fan in fiction his... later i will yeah. yes where i tell the stories of of the doctor and sardic and the girl who was frozen and thawed out every year right. as their adventures on christmas eves that's series I will, seven series i will roll seven. that in there mm-hmm. i am working on fan fiction of the four thousand people that were on the starship <laughs> singing all, the all, sing. all very talented singers all sing. their backstories <laughs> No, actually, they're not talented singers because if they were as good a singer as the girl who was frozen, they, they would have, they would have scared the uh, – the, the yeah, They were singing away. for their lives. Come on. And the Sadly, fish wouldn't uh, have destroyed their starship. What? I don't understand. I don't know. <laughs> they, doesn't make any fish. sense. <laughs> yeah, the okay. opera music Scott. was a nice touch though. I will say that. I was going to remind Scott of that terrible episode of Star Trek where they have to feed the big like remora thing that sucks on the Enterprise. Oh, that was great. They had to sour the milk. I love that one. Terrible. They evolved. Oh, come on. <laughs> hyper, evolved uh, uh, hyperdeck uh, thingamabob. Uh, you know. Anyway. Dan. See? Dan. Perfect. Star Wars holiday special. Oh. The hollow shed. Back Star Wars up. prequels, really. There's nothing I mean. wrong with celebrating some life day, okay? Yep, yep. Captain, is this another one of those episodes on the hollow shed where people become real again? Okay. I, don't make me get Syracuse here somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure you could pull him out of a rock. No, we're we're beating up uh, beating up on Dan now while he can't defend himself because he's. Oh, uh, I, I can defend. He's not actually my... here. He's not on this podcast. What? No, this is all just a recording of Dan. This, this is, is outrageous. So, this so, is Robo Dan. Soundboard Dan. So, any other final uh, final thoughts of how about that for a transition to suggest <laughs> we might be wrapping this this uh, emergency podcast up? Any other final thoughts about uh, this uh, Christmas episode that you'd like to share? I really I, kind of hope that uh, that the whole changing somebody's past thing gets reoccurred in series six because i would like to see it go horribly wrong maybe that's just morbid but i mean that would be because we didn't really get a chance to play with it in this episode because it was very kind of upbeat but if you revisit it later on where he tries to do it again to fix something and then it horribly horribly backfires it could be well i think this plays into the whole thread of what he learned last season in that you know at a certain point his worst enemy is himself you get Time Lord Victorious again, a little bit. Not quite, but it could go that direction. Yeah. Actually, it reminds me of Homer Simpson changing the past. You know, take that, butterfly! <laughs> Doctor Who and Homer Simpson have a lot of similarities. <laughs> Both exuberant. Hey, did you notice that, um, that at one point uh, Matt Smith is basically wearing Tom Baker's scarf? Yes. I was in, wondering in if that... Flashbacks. Yeah. I had to stop that and rewind. I was just, wait a second. That's I. I just. I mean, it's for, probably in the wardrobe somewhere in the TARDIS, right? As well, sure. As affecting as the whole episode was, I love the fact that Stephen Moffat, being a very skilled comedy writer, had no problem sliding in just a a, a huge amount of jokes amid the more serious kind of uh, material. I thought that was a really nice mixture because he kept it a little bit lighter while not, you know, making it ridiculous. 
this was one of the genuine like funniest i think episodes in the last several seasons even perhaps just in the terms of i feel like even just in the terms of the writing and the the quips and stuff like that whereas at some points it felt like well that's funny but it's not necessarily laugh out loud funny i don't know i found myself laughing a lot more at this episode you also couldn't picture david oh sorry no i was just saying it's like the lodger where you just let matt smith talk and the more matt smith talks the funnier (laughs) the in general the episode is this is the deal with like some of the episodes because Moffat had written so extensively for seasons one through four, you could just picture David Tennant doing the same lines. This is one you can't see David Tennant doing this. This was a Matt Smith Doctor Who and fully his, like the Lodger. That's true. I was thinking that the David Tennant at the end of the David Tennant Doctor Who, he was kind of crazy but bad crazy. Mm-hmm. And and Matt Smith's Doctor Who is crazy but you know, good crazy. Like this the moment when it's like, oh. crazy at least. Exactly. I like when he who was like, oh, the knobby thing has drawn me here and it has my name written all over it. Well, not really, but if you give me a crayon and some time, it will. Now, <laughs> the the um, it's interesting, you know. Uh, Stephen Moffat tried for a while, as as revealed in the writer's tale, I think actually to get David Tennant to come back, and I believe several of the episodes for the for last season were originally written with the idea that it might be David Tennant, right? And and you did get the sense, I think, especially early on, that that. This could be David Tennant, and it's not. But it, you could see how they could play it that way. And I, I do think you're right that this is a full-fledged – this is an episode written not just knowing that it's Matt Smith, but having seen a year of Matt Smith and knowing what he's good at, which is um, – actually gets me excited for next year that they've got yeah. a year under their belt. If you point towards, I think, the two episodes, at least from the first season, uh, The Lodger, as everyone has said, which I agree – and also the eleventh hour, which I think was the other that the whole scene with the food at the beginning of that one is a great example of who the eleventh doctor mm. is, yeah. which is mm. just kind of kind of crazy, as Scott said. But good crazy, good, good crazy. Yes. He's our he's our kind Manic. of crazy. Yes. <laughs> Fish sticks and pudding. Crazy. <laughs> That's right. Fish sticks and pudding. Very good Americanizing, by the way, Scott. Ah, uh, see. Of fish fingers and custard, which doesn't. <laughs> we we won the Revolutionary War. <laughs> And let's not let them so forget they it. Say. Exactly. Not, not next season. We didn't. Oh. To the victors go New Jersey. Oh. Hey. Uh. I can see New Jersey from my house. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah Palin. Wow. Oh, wait. Reversion to the wrong territory. Wow. This podcast is over. I think maybe it is. Well, so thank you all for coming out on this uh, out into the cold world of the podcast. I don't really understand what that means. Um, thank you for being here on this late uh, Christmas night, and um, and uh, uh, I think we're all looking forward to Doctor Who. It's it's nice to get a little flavor of the uh, of the Doctor Who after a long break, and and then now we get to wait another another three months. <laughs> Thanks a lot, BBC Ugh. jerks. Three whole months. Three whole months they're for like still, seven episodes, and then we'll have to wait another three months them. for the next oh, oh. six episodes. Oh my goodness, we love it. Uh, shut up. I know. Shut up. It's one of the few shows that I look forward to, so I'm happy to well, – not happy to wait, but I'll wait. What, what am I going to do? What else am I going to do? Watch Primeval? No, I don't think so. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Ouch. Let's not. Let's not. Okay. So uh, I'm now going to say thank you to everybody, and this is the part of the show where I do that. So Dan Morin, thank you for being here. Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. That's right. Um. Um. I'm trying to come up with a I, diehard I, I totally, reference. That I isn't totally, offensive. <laughs> I totally, yippee ki yay, my friend. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Ren Caldwell, thank you for, for being here from the Pacific thank Time Thank you. Thank you. I am going to go eat now <laughs> because we haven't eaten Christmas dinner yet. What? <laughs> That's the worst Christmas ever. Yeah. It's been a very interesting Christmas. Uh, but the food smells good. That's good. Scott McNulty, um, I'm glad we could provide some companionship for you today. God bless us, everyone. Can, can you help me with my Kindle? My Kindle isn't working right. Can you help me fix it? I look at the books and they don't download. <sighs> this is my life. Okay, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about it. You can help me out offline from or, or send me something from the collection. Glenn Fleischman, thank you for suggesting that we do this. And you get all the blame if people say, what the heck was that podcast? That was terrible. Zuzu's Pebbles. <laughs> you don't. You don't. That's how we. That's how we ended the last podcast. You don't get to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all about zeppelins. Yeah, well, just keep throwing out the references. Wait, Maybe one start, of them. Stick. See, I, I, I had a guy ask us, um, "Do I need to have listened to the previous episodes of the podcast in order to appreciate the podcast?" And I said, "No." Yes. You said just yes. Con- consult the transcripts. Yes. Consult the transcripts. That's right. Send us Glenn, five dollars. Effortlessly That's detailed. Right. Glenn and Greg Noss are going to build a database that includes everything we've referenced in every single episode, and you'll be able to create your own podcast that only <laughs> consists of Glenn using big words and Dan agreeing or uh, talking about Return of the Jedi, and you just make your own podcast out of that. That's entirely cromulent of you. That is our that is our Christmas gift to all of you. Uh, I thought that's what this podcast was. And to all, a good night. Good night, everyone. Don't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> This has been the Incomparable Podcast. Visit us at theincomparable.com. Glenn pointed out, quite rightly, that one of the questions that must be asked is, uh, is what are you drinking, essentially? (laughs) So if you'll indulge me for a second while I do this, let's see how this works on the podcast. Ah. Oh, nice. That's impressive. (laughs) Sound effects. Okay, let's try And let's try this one. Hold on. Our sponsor today is... uh, Anything there? No, it's not really doing... Yeah, no, I can hear it. I heard that. That was impressive. Glug, 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 glug. I feel like I'm on a 1940s radio play. Brought to you by Moxie, a soda with a kick because it's beer. <laughs>